What's going on, Jack fans? It's been a little bit of a break, but I'm back. Alex is back. We have the two most opposite schedules in the entire world, but we <laughs> found an hour or so to pop this out. So here we are to talk some Kansas football for you guys. Obviously, the past two weeks have not been good for the Jacks. Coastal Carolina game was good for a little bit, ended poorly. And even the Baylor game, you can kind of say the same thing. It started well, ended poorly. As we all know, that's Kansas football. But before we begin today's episode, as always, got to give a shout out to our main sponsor, Madison Oaks Wealth Partners. Madison Oaks Wealth Partners is an independent financial planning firm based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Kenny Bollinger is one of the two managing partners of Madison Oaks. He is also a diehard KU football fan. Kenny holds a certified financial planner designation and has over 25 years of experience in the financial services industry. For more information about Madison Oaks Wealth Partners, please call Kenny Bollinger at 919-805-8145 or visit their website at www.madisonoakswp.com. So Alex, obviously it's been about two weeks since yep. you and I uh, have had Too a chance to be, to be face-to-face on the camera and talk Kansas football and and mind you, I would tell you, not too much has happened. You know, two football games, two losses. You know, that's Kansas football. But, you know, this past week there has been, for lack of a better term, um, a little bit of a – I don't even know if I would say – trying to think here. Trying to think, there's been a little bit of drama. Belton Gardner situation. Obviously, he decided to announce that he's entering the transfer portal, and Coach Leipold uh, announced it in his presser. What's your takeaway, you know, from Belton Gardner announcing he's going to the portal this quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't think really anyone did. I mean, midseason, but uh, I guess I'm old school and and the portal is just kind of a new thing in college football. And uh, uh, you just you're not used to hearing stuff like that in the middle of the season, let alone three games into the season. So uh, it took me by surprise. Um, it's definitely going to challenge the depth of the KU running back position. Uh, you mentioned Hickson, you know, coming back. We don't know exactly where he's at, um, you know, but uh, the, the positive of this is, is it's going to give Devin Neal more of a chance. And, you know, I think we all knew this season was about the future. You know, we want to live and die with every game. But, uh, you know, I want to see the young guys get the reps, uh, even if it's not pretty at all times. So I'm looking forward to seeing maybe more of Devin Neal. But uh, it took me by surprise. You know, I don't, I don't understand. I think it's best for him to finish at KU this year, play, and then go somewhere should he should he choose to. But uh, uh, it's definitely going to challenge the depth, and it'll be interesting to see who who steps up uh, along with Devin Neal. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, and from what I understand, I was hearing things over the weekend about it, and and people who were at the game said uh, people who were at the game said that he was like visibly upset. Uh, you know, the, about the lack of playing time he was getting late in that game. But from what I'm hearing, it's like his family feels he's better than what he's getting at Kansas. He feels he's better than a program that's not winning games. And that's that. You know, I guess I ask you, you know, obviously we've seen Belton Gardner get a ton of the reps, you know, so mm-hmm. far into the season. You know, do you think it's beneficial that he's stepping out this early? Or do you think this is a situation like you would have preferred him to, you know, step away three weeks ago? Uh, well, for KU, I think it would have been beneficial for him to step away three weeks ago because they could be further along of, of, de- of uh, you know, figuring out who's going to be in that role to help replace him. Um, for him personally, I don't – I mean, I guess it would have been better then to, so he doesn't lose a year. But, uh, you know, I just I, – I don't like for his sake that he's going to miss the rest of this year, go 
you know, close to a year without football and then step back in next year. I mean, athletes are creatures of habits and they need repetition and he's not going to get that, not even out of practice. Um, so I, I don't think that's good for him. And I mean, in some ways, you know, you mentioned that uh, he, he feels he's better than what he's getting at Kansas and, and he is a good player. He's not a bad player. And I get the frustration. I mean, the running the ball has been a challenge for KU. Uh, it's especially been a challenge for him. He did not look good in that South Dakota game. You know, the offensive line wasn't great, but I don't think he made the right cuts. Uh, I don't think he was patient enough. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's kind of a goes both ways, but uh, I, I don't think it's beneficial for all parties at this point, but it is what it is. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what KU can, can do without him. But I mean, I, I from, I get the frustration on his part. I don't think he's getting uh, enough from the offensive line. And that's something we'll definitely talk about later, but at the same time, you know, there's things that he can do too. So uh, definitely disappointing for him and for the football team, but uh, uh, you know, time to move forward. Next man up. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel like he just hasn't been what we would hope. You know, yeah. and, and he hasn't performed. Sure. So at the end of the day, I don't get too upset about it. Devin Neal's come on strong and, mm -hmm. and hoped to be everything we could kind of hope Belton Gardner would be. And then I think Amari Pisek-Hickson's return and the the weirdness to the fact that he, when he gets reps, it's very late in the game. And, you know, he went from a guy that was looking the best in fall camp to now still barely getting any reps. So hopefully whatever injury is, is hindering him, we can hopefully see him return from that and fill in another role because like we, I think we talked about in the past is we don't have a running back that can do everything, but we have a bunch of running backs, you know, that can do one or two things pretty well. Yeah. So we hope, you know, to, to get a Mark to kick some backs in the mix there. Um, talking about a line real quick, Colin Grunhard off the depth chart this week, um, you know, and he's had a lingering issue, you know, since the season started. And it sounds like now it's to the point that they're not even going to try to let him play. You know, you see, the offensive line has been moved, had movement. You know, you've had, you yeah. know, Malik Clark go down for a bit. You've had players who got injured and, and subbed someone else in. I'm curious your thoughts, you know, about what this O-line is going to need to do without Colin Grunhard. Do you think this is a group that's going to struggle even more without Colin Grunhard? Or do you think, hey, you know, these other pieces have shown that they can get it done? Uh, you know, what do you think is going to uh, come of that group? Yeah, uh, it's hard to say. You know, Colin hasn't looked that great, to be quite honest with you now. Hey, has he been hurt? Uh uh, you know, be fair to him. Has he been playing hurt? Has he been toughing it out? And, and sometimes performance suffers with that. Uh, you know, kind of like what you mentioned about Gardner, you know, I don't think he was that great to where it's, you know, the world's going to end. I mean, this isn't a very good football team to begin with. Colin's not a irreplaceable player. I mean, you definitely like somebody with his experiences and intelligence, but um, I mean, really nobody on the offensive line has impressed me. So I'm not, you know, sitting here saying, I'm not sure what, how KU is going to, what they're going to do to make of this. So uh, the entire offensive line has been disappointing. I actually, I think I mentioned that I had a little bit of hope for the offensive line this year and, you know, keep in mind new, new coaching staff, very late in the game, uh, teaching a new system, a uh, very run heavy system. And we just haven't seen the results and that usually takes some time. So uh, can the offensive line recover? Um I don't think it's so much about recovering the loss of Grunhard as I think it is actually learning what they're supposed to do in each 
play. It's learning to play together, learning to communicate, playing with better technique, because I see a lot of the tackles play too high, uh, personally, especially in pass protection. And even in, in the run game, I just don't think they're very physical. I don't think they're, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, they think they know, so they're playing a little step, they're playing a step slow. So I, I don't think it's so much, again, about recovering from that loss as it is uh, just as a whole. Can they figure out what it is that they're supposed to do, how to play together, because that's what's going to make them be successful. I don't think there's anybody on this offensive line that's just irreplaceable. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet. And really, there's not many positions on this team uh, with that type of situation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the last injury we'll talk about, uh, you know, happened about, you know, very quickly in the first game of the year. You know, Sam Burt obviously yeah. injured. We talked about that. Um, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts on the defensive line. Like, has that group, in your opinion, been clearly missing Sam Burt? Or is this group said, hey, you know what, they've, they've done what they could, they've done exactly what you probably were going to expect from them uh, in it, his absence? Yeah, I, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think they've missed him. He was a good player. He's done good. You know, he's got some experience. Uh, he does some things well, some other things not so well. Uh, and I think they've recovered nicely, uh, uh, about as well as you could expect without him. Um, I don't think the defensive line has been horrible. You know, where I see the the problem for this team on defense, that is, is the linebacker core. That's where I see them really struggling. And it's not that the defensive line is that great or the secondary is that great. It's linebackers that are that have really struggled. So I, I think the defensive line has been OK. I think they've recovered the defensive end. There's a lot of speed out there. I shouldn't say a lot, but there, there's enough speed there. Uh the interior part, they've done okay in the run. You know, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, Coastal and, and, and Baylor, they're okay in the first half, and then the second half gets blown open. That's where the coaches make their adjustments, and, and they kind of isolate guys on the defense that they want to get one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one matchups with. From an offensive perspective, that's what you're trying to do is create one-on-one -on -one matchups anywhere. It doesn't matter what defender it is. You create that and you trust your guys to win, you put them in that position. And KU's losing that, especially at the linebacker position. I just, there's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of speed there. I know you were asking about the defensive line. Uh, I think they, I really think they have been fine. That, I mean, there's obviously a lot of room for improvement, but that, that to me isn't the, they haven't been disappointing. They've, they've been about what you would expect, uh, which is what, what you said there towards the end. Yeah, I agree with you there. So we'll take a quick break real quick, and then we'll just dive into, you know, two games of football. You know, there were moments of brilliance. There were moments yep. of really bad football. Uh, we'll talk about that next. So KU, one and two, two losses in a row. We'll have a game with Duke coming up this weekend. Two weeks ago, we went to Conway, South Carolina. We're in a very tight football game for quite mm -hmm. some time. Covered the first half spread, down 28-22 at one point in the third quarter. Game ends up, I believe, 49-22. Curious, like your biggest takeaway um, from that Coastal Carolina game. I know my biggest takeaway was like, hey, Jason Bean's for real. Like, I mean, this kid's got some speed on him. And two is like, that was a game that like the ball bounces a different way. We catch a pass on fourth down. We get one of those fourth down conversions. And that result might be completely different. I'm curious your biggest takeaway from that. Yeah, I, I think it's, I completely agree with you. It's, it's that right there. Uh, I actually came away pretty encouraged by that game, um, especially like you said, there are a couple bounces here and there. Uh, you know, the block punt was big. The drop on fourth down by Gardner was big. I think we were, I forget the number, but we didn't convert a fourth down that entire game, right? No, I think we were 0-6. 0-6. Uh, like yeah, yeah, I can remember it was 0-4, 0-6, 0-6. Um, and then, like you said, Bean, I 
you know, we talked about the, the previous week, you know, how do people look, especially the quarterback position from week to week? Uh, do they get better? I thought he got better that game. I think he still has a long way to go. So I left that game. I'm like, you know, KU competed with them. I mean, that's a better football team over there. I don't think they're super talented or way more talented. They're just a better football team, uh, more experienced and well-coached. And I'm like, okay, KU competed with them. They just, K doesn't really know what they're doing right now. Um, uh, being as a little inconsistent, I, I came away from that game uh, thinking, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna pick somebody off the rest of this this year, and and uh, I guess I underestimated Baylor because of uh, just how they had played. So I expected K to be a little bit better. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but like you said, I, I thought overall just a couple bounces here and there. That game was a lot closer than the score showed. I, I really think that, and uh, that had me definitely feeling much better. Uh, about the progression. And, and I would have thought that from week one to week two, I thought the team got better. I know they lost and it ended up being a uh, two, more than two score, two score game, but I, I thought they got better, which is what I'm looking for each week. Yeah, for sure. And I, I ran a poll on Twitter after that Coastal Carolina game asking, you know, do you, did that game make you feel like we're at least going to win another game? And 900 people voted like 92, 93% said yes. You know, I, I'll run it back after this weekend, uh, pending we don't win, whatever the situation is. But I, that game, like, left you feeling pretty good, um, you know. And I thought there were moments in that game where we could have stepped on their throat. I thought there were moments in that game that we should have come up with a stop. But it's like, yeah. I watched Coastal Carolina play. I mean, you can't discredit that offense, man. They're fast. And, and what so they do difficult. is unique is, and they execute it very well. Grayson McCall is a pretty good quarterback man and, and they're very well coached so it's like you, you can't really get too mad and like we said it's like we lost by 27 but hey man we convert you know wide open we had the Gardner first fourth down drop was like inexcusable I mean that was a legitimate fourth down drop and it's like hey you can start to convert those things man and us we score to take the lead that game can get in completely different you know and ends up at 22 49 it is what it is so moving on you know, to Baylor, and I'm sure we'll touch back on some other things from the Coastal game, but the Baylor game. Mm -hmm. I was on KU plus 17 and a half, liked it a lot. I don't know about you if you got to read, like, the, the Twitter landscape before the game, but people genuinely thought we were going to beat Baylor. Like, the mm -hmm. belief of KU fans was that we were going to beat Baylor. And it's one of those things, like, I never felt that way. I think maybe I even let the fan base being excited about the game uh, impact my thoughts on it, but it's like – it was crazy to me to see the Kansas football fan base genuinely feel like we were going to beat a big 12 opponent. And I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw the fan base unanimously feel that way. Right. And you know, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts, you know, before the game, what you saw against coastal Carolina and what we saw against Baylor, which I think was some of it was the Baylor did not look good. The one time they played an opponent with a pulse and then they beat mm -hmm. the crap out of a team that did not have a pulse, but I'm curious your thoughts, you know, that game, Going into it, KU fans felt pretty good. There was reasons to somewhat feel good. Mind you, it was probably the, the most lopsided 7 to 14 first half I've ever seen. But just kind of curious your thoughts, you know, before the game and then what you uh, saw at the beginning of the game as well. Yeah, and I, I think all of that was because most people were encouraged by what they saw against Coastal Carolina. I mean, like you touched on the offense for them. It's so difficult to prepare for it. It's, it's very unique. It's not Georgia Tech unique that no one, you just never see it, but it's still, it's kind of a version of that out of the spread. And, and it's, it's very difficult to prepare for. And you see 
they isolate their, the linebackers a lot and the safeties um, uh, by when they when they stretch the field and go 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 to the outside on their option. And so you saw that a lack of speed by KU uh, against Coastal Carolina. But overall, everybody felt good about the game. And so going into the Baylor game, I'm like you. I'm not thinking we're going to win the game. Would I have been shocked if we did? No. But I thought we were going to be competitive. Like I thought going into the fourth quarter, you know, maybe Baylor's up 10 or 14, something in that range. And, and, and I think part of it, like you touched on, was we just – I think we were a little misguided for how Baylor looked in their first couple games, uh, especially that first game. They just didn't look that great. Um, but, you know, I think this brings up a big point here. So Coastal Carolina is a better football team than Baylor, okay? They're more ex more experienced. They're probably better coached, to be honest. But it's just a, it's a good football team. They're not more talented than Baylor. And sometimes, you know, a, a, a good football team like Coastal that's not overly talented, you know, KU can be in the game because the there's not a big speed difference. What you saw against Baylor – uh, I think that just reminds us how far we are away. And I don't think anyone really disputed that, but it's just kind of a reminder. I mean, Baylor's offensive line compared to our offensive line is night and day. The speed that Baylor has at wide receiver uh, and, and wide receiver, their run, or excuse me, their linebackers. I mean, it's night and day. And so it probably misjudged by my part and a lot of our part, just thinking we'd be a little bit more competitive. Now, I guess, you know, like you said, the score was lopsided uh, or the score was close, but it felt a little bit more lopsided than it was. Um, so I definitely disappointed in coming away from that game, but I, you know, I, that's, I take that all in the context of Baylor's a pretty talented football team. They're just not there yet overall as a team. So they can get away with a few things that KU can't, you touched on the, uh, fourth down play and a few misplays in Coastal Carolina. Okay, you can't recover from that team like Baylor and Coastal can. Um, so, yeah, that, that was disappointing. Um, you know, definitely a step back from the Coastal game. But, hey, this isn't a good football team. You're going to see them look okay and then look bad. Honestly, you're going to see that throughout the course of a game. And that's, that's really what we should sus uh, suspect to see each week. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, th I think I tweeted, like, on, like, Wednesday or Thursday when I saw people, like, you know, DMing me and starting to say, hey, I think we can beat Baylor this week. Is like, I just didn't like how we match up with a team like Baylor. I, I've yeah. never liked it. We're like, they're mm -hmm. always going to be bigger than us. They're mm -hmm. always going to be stronger than us. And they're always going to be faster than us. And it's like, we're just not a team that can compete in a football game like that. We need a team that's going to have a quarterback that wants to sit in the pocket and will make some mistakes. And we need, you know, I think about Texas Tech when we beat them. Like, that's exactly what happened. Like, mind you, they had a fast quarterback back then, but he tried to stay in the, po in the pocket. They tried to keep him in the pocket, and the kid couldn't throw. You know, so it's like you, you need a situation like that where we have something that we can say, hey, we can try to combine this because they have a quarterback that can run. They have running backs who are very, very good. They have receivers who are very, very good. And it's like we were – not better in any position than them no like there was not a position on the field that we were better than them and sometimes I feel like we play I mean I'm not going to say Oklahoma but even when Oklahoma State's at the top of the conference TCU like those teams sometimes we have a position or two that we are better than them at Baylor is just it's never been that way and I don't see it ever being that way the only real reason I thought we stood a chance was new coach a coach that I'm not necessarily that high on him as a head coach but Dave Aranda's obviously a very good defensive coordinator. So you can't take that away from him, but right. I, I just like, I wish I never would have taken the bait because I never really was confident in our ability to match up with them. But I'm curious in terms of like, 
you know, looking at how we've competed against Baylor in the past, like, mind you, we've had better quote unquote results on the scoreboard, but mm -hmm. I think about the games I remember us watching, watching us play Baylor is that I still felt like we were better. I don't know if you feel that way too, but I still felt like at the end of the day that it's like, it's clear that like a coach and coaches are calling the right place and at least trying to put our players in the right position to succeed at the end of the day, quite frankly, we just didn't have the players. Well, we don't. And, and, you know, there, this is, there's a little bit of a philosophy change here at KU. I mean, uh, miles and Beatty, you know, they were a little bit more open it up, uh, throw the ball. They weren't as, I know miles was that way at LSU, but he didn't really coach that way. Well, I should say Dearman didn't really coach that well, uh, coach that way. Um, Leipold, he wants to run the ball and I just, we don't have the horses to do that, but I'm fine with him trying to do that because he's trying to build a culture and get some of the young guys to understand a system. And, and so that's okay. And uh, like you said, you don't have the horses. I mean, those guys are bigger, they're stronger, and we're trying to run it at them. And that's going to be a challenge all season, but you can't just deviate from what you ultimately want to do right now to sacrifice maybe a winning or losing by, you know, instead of losing by 40, you lose by 30. I mean, what difference does it make? You're still one and 11 at the end of the year. Um, and we just don't have the horses. So I, like you said, I think they're putting our players in a good position to win. And I think they're putting the program ahead of each individual game. And that that's what I want to see, um, especially earlier on in the tenure. I mean, I want them to have a plan and commit to it and try and get there. And if it looks like, if it looks like it kind of did against Baylor for a few games each year, that's okay. It might look a little different when you go play K-State, Iowa State, or somebody like that. You know, Iowa State's a better team than Baylor, but sometimes you just get teams like that, that it's just a bad matchup for KU. They're just bigger, they're faster, and they're stronger. Iowa State's better, but they don't have that big talent gap. So sometimes if KU schemes things up correctly, they can make some plays against those teams. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not down on Leipold or any area of the coaching staff. I'm sure there's things they can change. Sure, there's things that they will change. And, and Bean, obviously, was a step back for me. Um, we can, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think they just need to continue with what they're trying to do, and it's going to look like that some weeks. And I know KU fans weren't happy with what they saw, and and, and I don't blame them. But, you know, you got to keep moving forward. you got to build the program and not try and, uh, you know, instead of losing by 40, uh, lose by 30 because it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Before we go, one thing I, I just want your opinion. Obviously, you and I both very high on Lance Leipold before he got mm -hmm. here, when he got here, and obviously yeah. still pretty high on his future. I'm curious what things you've seen from him, you've heard from him that like reaffirm, you know, how you felt about him before you've ever got to see him coach a game for us. You know, what things do you like that you've seen from him on Saturdays? I know for me, it's honestly just having a pulse. I, yeah. like, I, I always tell people, it's like, man, like at the end of the day, like a head coach with a pulse is still a step forward. And it's like, you're seeing him in the ref's ears. You're seeing him being right about, picking his spots to be in the rest of the year because that's one thing i always felt like Beatty did was like when we just started getting shit on like he was just yelling at the refs to yell at the refs yeah. but it's like lance is in <laughs> their ear when they're making a bad call and he's letting them know they made a bad call and i mean hell there was even a him pointing at the screen and making the ref watch himself make the wrong call and so it's like i've been very impressed with that then i think the other thing too is when we've seen him interact with the players on the field that's mm -hmm. something I feel like we haven't really seen from a Kansas head coach in a long time. A lot of times it's yeah. like, you know, player walks off, makes a mistake, 
and their assistant coaches talking to them or like maybe the head coach asked a question and then let them go but it's like lance's arm around the shoulder walking off the field with them and, and walking to the bench with them having conversations sometimes uh very vocal conversations kind of just curious your biggest takeaways uh from lance that head coach so far yeah, I mean, that, well, like that last part you just talked about there, that's him teaching. And that's just the difference between Miles and Beatty. Like you mentioned Beatty. Beatty was just, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Beatty was just a guy that just talked. I mean, I don't think he sat there and thought a lot. He wasn't very thoughtful. It was just kind of emotional and just a rah-rah speak guy. Whereas Leipold, he picks his spots, as you said. I mean, I, I've been impressed with him on the sideline. Um, like you said, just having a pulse is – is uh, I mean, that's a step in the right direction from the most recent coaching staff. Uh, and for me, I think he's out there legitimately coaching, teaching, and educating the players. He's trying to build a culture. He knows how to do this. He's done this before. He's taken over bad programs and made them good. So he knows what to do. And, you know, there might be a play call here or there or a timeout or a decision to go for it or not go for it that you don't necessarily agree with. There's going to be there's 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 plays like that every every game with every coach, including Nick Saban. But what I see from him is a guy who's out there legitimately trying to build a culture. And he's like you talked about grabbing these guys and having conversations with them. He's having real football conversations, teaching them the game of the football explaining them what they did wrong so they can legitimately learn from him. He's, he's a very educational guy as a teacher. And that's what KU needs is a, is a teacher. And he's involved in the game every single play. I mean, he's sitting there running up and down the sideline pacing. I mean, that doesn't make you a good coach. No, just by doing that, but he's into the game. You couple that with his ability to teach and educate. I think you have somebody that is going to change the culture here. He's going to build a good football team. That's smart, disciplined, and, 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 and fundamentally sound. And that what I just described there is what K-State and Iowa State have been over the years and, and what we have always, uh, you know, striven to be, but we haven't gotten there. Um, I think he's going to do that. So overall, I've been impressed with him. Um, you know, there's, there's, like I said, plays that you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure what you're doing there. But uh, overall, uh, I think he, he has an idea of what he wants to do and he's enacting on it. I don't think he's too upset about losing. Not that he doesn't want to win, but I think he sees the bigger task at hand. And, and, and I'm happy with what I've seen from him. You know, we'll, we'll see, you know, the rest of this year, each week, how they do. I think you're going to see KU bounce back this week and be a little bit better. Um, uh, they're going to correct some things. And, and we'll, we'll see, because there was a lot of things to correct in that Baylor game. And we can, we'll talk about that if they correct that against Duke. Um, and, and it's going to be little signs like that, that tell you this coaching staff knows how to go down, watch the film, see what they're doing wrong, be able to identify it and correct it. And, and I think you'll see that again, Duke. I'm not saying they're going to beat Duke or anything like that, but I, I think Lance knows how to analyze film and, and, and move forward. Whereas I don't think that was happening in the most, re the two most recent coaching staffs, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. So we'll take a break real quick and then dive deeper into what we've seen with Kansas football so far. So talking about what we've seen, we've seen three games of work. We got nine games left. The elephant in the room for everybody is quarterback play Kansas for the first time, at least in my opinion, in a long time, you know, Carter Stanley was pretty good as last year, but 
KU for the first time in a long time has a young quarterback uh, who has shown signs of promise. And mind you, I think we can all agree Jason Dean's arm has left a little bit to be desired at times. Mm-hmm. But what that kid can do with his feet has been unmatched. You know, I mean, that Coastal Carolina game, I think, is a great example. I mean, he he just showed speed that they didn't even have. I mean, I can only imagine how good Coastal Carolina could be if their quarterback was as fast as Jason Bean. But just kind of curious, your biggest takeaway on offense, who is that player that has been very impressive to you, impressed you the most? And then I'll, you know, give my take on the other side as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to stay with Bean. Um, I, and I, you know, it's kind of weird to say that I don't think he played particularly well against Baylor. In fact, I think he was, he was bad that game overall, but I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm talking all this about the future here. Um, we talked about the future with Devin Neal, um, with Bean, I, there's something there for him. Okay. Here's the type of player that Jason Bean is. Okay. You mentioned his legs. He's an incredible runner. He's very gifted. He's going to do some very good things for this team down the road with his legs. Now you can't be one dimensional. And part of that problem is the offensive line Bean throwing the ball has, it, there's been a challenge. I don't think he looks very comfortable back there. I don't think he's going through his reads very well. Um, in fact, I know he's not. Um, he, he, he leaves a lot of his throws high and a lot of that's discomfort in the pocket, but the problem that he's facing right now, and it's, you know, it's on him, it's on the coaching staff, but it's also on the offensive line. Bean's not a guy that's going to sit back there in the pocket and pick you apart. He's a guy that when you're running the ball well and you're creating a the defense having to focus on the run game that's going to make the passing game so much easier for him when you can't run the ball you got a guy back there whose strength is not to sit back there and throw it and that's what he's being forced to do sometimes and make plays that's not him uh and i the reason why he's impressed me is because of his legs i see the potential i see i see the scenario where ku football is successful to a degree, and Jason Bean is the quarterback, and that is developing an offensive line, and that's him winning games with his feet. And when you develop an offensive line, you're running the ball with the running back, you're running the ball with Bean, you now have a lot of easier throws and one-on-one matchups for Bean to be successful on offense. It makes the coach's job a lot easier for him. So I see the talent there in him. He's, he was very disappointing in this most recent game. Uh, you know, he showed some flashes against Coastal. He wasn't even great in that game. I thought he took a step forward against uh, from South Dakota to Coastal and then a step back from Coastal to Baylor. That's just kind of kind of be the season. He's he he's a limited player throwing the ball and, and he's not having uh, support from his team when it comes to running the ball. So, uh, you know, overall, I mean, I, I see the scenario for KU football where they're successful with him. He's got a lot of things to work on, but uh, the biggest like individual thing is his legs. I didn't, honestly didn't realize how fast he was. Uh, and he's, he's a very gifted runner. So uh, I think there's something KU can build on and work for, uh, for the future uh, due, due to his youth and his, and his skill level. Yeah, for sure. About you? There. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And one thing I think, uh, I think sometimes KU fans forget this, and I almost don't pay attention to this, but I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't think of a time that a KU quarterback through three games had not thrown an interception. Mm-hmm. And I think that is impressive. Mind you, Jason Bean's not throwing the ball a ton, but that is still impressive because last season, if memory serves, we threw an interception on our first drive. And I believe, you know, again, on like our third or fourth drive. I mean, like, so it's like, hey, we're making it through three games, two of which are against pretty decent programs. South Dakota, you know, is, is what it is. But Baylor and and uh, Coastal Carolina are two teams more than capable of playing quality defense. So if we're going to get through three games without an interception, 
that is progress. And as far as I'm concerned, we have one turnover, and it's a late-game turnover against Baylor with Amari Pisek-Hickson fumbling the ball. So it's like, hey, that has been probably my biggest, like, walking, thinking from the outside. It's like, hey, like, where are we seeing progress? And, like, that is progress to me. Because people remember in 2018, Peyton Mender was awful. But (laughs) the reason Peyton Mender was the quarterback was because he was taking care of the ball. And, like, the goal that year was for the defense to get turnovers and the offense to take care of the ball and just hope that that would help us win football games. And it helped us win three of them. And it helped, yeah. oh, you know, there was a – That's going to keep you in them. games. Yeah, it, yeah, going to keep us in games. And a couple more, Texas, you know, comes to mind. I think uh, we didn't compete well with Iowa State that year. But there was a couple other games. And, you know, we lost to Nickel State that year. You know, there, there's some games that we could have won that season. Um, and so I think in situations like that says, hey, like college football, the skill gap is pretty large. But – when it comes, when you get outside those top 25 teams, it really shrinks. I mean, we're all recruiting the same three-star kids. It's just a matter yeah. of who can develop theirs better and, and who can coach a football game better. And I think of situations like that, and I say, hey, you know what? We clearly couldn't stop Baylor's offense, but our offense was not just handing the ball back over to them on the 25-yard line like we used to. So I think that's a, a big positive for me with Jason Bean and just mm-hmm. the play calling in general. And then I wanted to get your take, too. Something I found to be really interesting was that I noticed in the first game against South Dakota, I can't like just mentally recall a designed quarterback run for Jason Bean. But now through three games, it's happening a lot. It's happening quite a bit more, especially against Coastal Carolina. It was happening quite a bit. And Baylor even still, too, there, there were multiple opportunities for him designed quarterback run. I'm kind of curious your thoughts. You think is that just something that the Kansas offensive coordinator is like, hey, we got to get this fast. We have to do it. Is that something that is a situational thing? Just kind of curious your thoughts uh, on Kansas starting to do that. Well, I know. I think it's as simple as is he's one of our best players. That's what he does well. So we got to put him in a position to do that. That's what you're going to do. That's And, you know, you kind of touched on a couple things there that I was just getting to uh, or kind of describing when we were talking about being moving forward in the future and, and the coach is trying to build on something. And, and you mentioned the turnovers. Now, yes, Bean is not throwing the ball uh, an excessive amount and he probably needs to stretch the field a little bit more and he, he leaves some to be desired there, but he'll get better at that. But like you said, he is taking care of the ball, the ball. That's a culture thing. That's not Jason Bean just individually deciding to do that. Now, part of it, he's probably not comfortable. He's not making the read. So he's a little hesitant to throw the ball, but that's something that's being instilled in him by this coaching staff. Uh, And then the other thing you just described is, okay, in South Dakota, I don't recall seeing a a design quarterback run. Um, Now, was there RPOs and stuff? Sure. But there wasn't a design quarterback run. And now you're seeing that. And that's the coaching staff adapting. They realize what, is when can this team be at its best? They're putting players in position to, to succeed, um, excuse me. And, and I think that's a good sign moving forward is this coaching staff understanding the players' abilities, what they can do. And, and if they can create ways for Bean to run the ball, it's going to help the running game uh, outside of Jason Bean running. And ultimately that's going to help the passing game. Because when you get teams that are flying up, trying to stop the run on him because they don't think KU can pass. Um, but if KU is able to run the ball, that's going to create some one-on-one matchups, some easy throws. And that's what you need is you need to create easy throws for Bean. Um, so, so I think overall it's positive. You're seeing little things like that from Leipold you know you asked me that question earlier uh, in the coaching staff of of are they adjusting throughout the season and they're they're small um, but they count and and it gives you an idea moving forward 
are these guys committed to their approach? And I, I think they are. And I, I think they're, they're doing it the right way. And you're, you're ultimately going to get a, a team that's fundamentally sound and disciplined. Like you mentioned, you know, outside of the top 25 uh, teams, a lot of the recruits, like you said, it's the same three-star recruits. Can you coach them up, uh, you know, making game adjustments is what you said. And that's exactly right. And, and, you know, KU's offensive line is, is, is nowhere near those teams, but I think you're seeing a coaching staff that's going to be able to do that. They just need to recruit and get the players. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And then la- wrapping up the offense here, mm-hmm. another player that has just impressed me has been Lawrence Arnold, because obviously he's yeah. a guy that, you know, most people were just high on, you know, you saw him start almost immediately last year, get mm-hmm. hurt very quickly. And then we never saw him again. And then this year he started on the twos and, it was a situation like people were passing him by more than he was just like compete. I mean, he was just getting passed, uh, but then you see him come play in the games. And obviously you think about the South Dakota game, won us the game uh, against coastal yeah. Carolina and again, against Baylor. He has had solid performances and made good catches. And, and he's just a guy that I think is going to have to come into his role, but he's perfect. I mean, he looks like the Baylor wide receiver, maybe just a little bit too skinny. And I think Gildersleeve will fix that eventually, but he yeah. looks like the receivers on all these big 12 teams that are good. I mean, he's tall. He's, he's got the frame. He catches the ball really well. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of curious your thoughts, you know, a guy like Lawrence Arnold, you know, what does he need to do to step his game up and, and how pivotal can that be in helping this offense and helping Jason Bean and helping the run game even open up? Yeah, I mean, I, like you, you said, moving forward, uh, you know, you know, fixing that frame a little bit because he is a little too skinny, but he's young. That's OK. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. That's probably the other guy that's been most most impressive. Uh, uh, he just needs to be more consistent, I think, and catching the ball. And for the most part, he's he's been that he really has. I'm just kind of saying moving forward, if he can consistently do that, he's going to build a trust with Bean. Bean's going to trust throwing him And the, the most important thing is a lot of routes are designed or a lot of plays are designed that at the snap of the ball, if it's man or if it's zone or if the corner or the safety does this, you need to do this as a receiver. Does he understand that or does he just run technically the route that's called, but he doesn't run the variation that he should in game? And I've seen a few times that he has done a good job of doing that. Um, I haven't seen a, a, a great deal to where I can tell you exactly, but I, there were several plays where I watched that and I felt he read the defense correctly, got to the spot uh, where he should be. You know, you hear a lot about that with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs about, you know, uh, Kelsey and, and Hill. They know how to read the defense. Um, and McCole Hardman just kind of runs his route as if it's drawn on a piece of paper and you can't vary from that. I think that is something that Arnold himself is going to have to get better at. He's not bad at it, but he's young. If he can understand that, like you said, he looks like the Baylor receivers. He's got a good size to him, although he's skinny and he's not slow either. He's a good little mix of both. And, and I think moving forward, that's another thing that, you know, you're starting to kind of see a few pieces here and there that are young, that as soon as they get seasoned, they understand what they're doing. You've got something to build around. And then, you know, I don't know that we see a lot of that on the O-line, but I see that at receiver. I can see that at the running back position. I can see that at quarterback. So Arnold definitely needs to be more consistent uh, catching the ball and then his route running and understanding what he's going to do. And, and that's going to take some time. That That's very difficult to do. That's high level stuff, but he's shown the ability to do that himself. And if he can do that that's going to be a reliable target for Bean, and that's going to be crucial for the passing game yep i agree with you there so we'll take a quick break real quick and wrap things up talking about the defense 
So moving things over to wrap up to the defensive side. The defense, I would just say, against South Dakota, I was impressed. I, I saw them stopping South Dakota when they needed to. Mind you, I thought South Dakota, you know, maybe bullied us a little bit more than an FCS team should be. But there were mm-hmm. moments where I was impressed. But Coastal Carolina kind of did whatever they wanted. Uh, Baylor, especially in the second half, kind of did whatever they wanted. I was pretty impressed, at least, uh, with the defense in the first half against Baylor about their ability to make the stop when they needed to. And, you know, I, I don't think Kansas is the team that's going to be able to, to get three and outs all the time. I mean, I think we all know that. We're not going to force three and outs every drive. But teams are going for it on fourth down fourth and two, fourth and three. And there was, I think, almost even a spot. Baylor was, like, going to go for, like, fourth and five, you know. And these teams just feel so confident they can get five yards against Kansas, and and rightfully Mm -hmm. so. But there were moments where I was pretty impressed uh, with the defense. But I'm kind of curious to your opinion. I know my opinion, you know, on this. But in terms of the defense, who has been the biggest letdown, you know, for you on that side of the ball? Yeah, it's, it's got to be Gavin Potter. I mean, and, and, and I say that for multiple reasons. Number one, I just don't think there was anybody coming in that we thought was going to be solid or consistent and has just not been. I think he he's kind of that, I mean, because it's such a key position and it's our biggest weakness, and he's the guy that people had hope for coming in. And, you know, we always kept saying, yeah, he's, he's young. Um, so I think it's him. And the thing with him, there's two things. It's lack of speed, which we kind of knew once we initially saw him. It just He's a heavy player, and he doesn't have very good hips, in my opinion. He he's, doesn't have very good change of direction. Um, he, he's, maybe if he runs in a straight line, he's not – you know, he's, he's okay fast, but he just can't put his foot in the ground, change direction, and go run down a running back. He, and part of that is I just don't know that – he sees what's going on very well. I don't know. I don't want to say he has low football IQ. I don't, I don't, I've never met the kid. I can't say that, but I just don't see him making the reads that a linebacker should. I don't think he has a good feel for the game is, is what, what I should say. And just, I say that based off watching him, you know, you remember Ben Heaney. Okay. Ben Heaney was fast. He's a different body type and he was quick change of direction. So I'm not trying to compare him to Ben Heaney, but the thing that Ben Heaney that made him so as good as he was, was he understood the game. He did. He, he was a little bit more athletically gifted than Potter. He was, so that helps. But I just don't think Potter has that good flow, uh, the flow to the game. I don't think he knows how to read the offensive line to understand what's happening. The offensive line, the guards especially, they're going to tell you what's going on. Now sometimes you get duped with traps and counters and stuff, but that doesn't matter. You still fill your gap, and I just don't think he does that, and I don't think he does it confidently, and I don't think he does it quickly. And uh, I think that's that's shown. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think one thing I've always kind of said with Gavin Potter is I think he's almost just a victim of a situation. Like, sure, we yeah. have to play him at inside linebacker. Right? We have mm-hmm. to because there the, the really isn't any other option. And I, I just see anytime you think of Gavin Potter having success, it's not open field tackling. It's not pass coverage. It's it's nothing that an inside linebacker really does for the most part. But when you've seen him have success, it's him blitzing the quarterback. And I still kind of stand – I'll probably die on this hill, to be honest. So Gavin Potter should be blitzing the quarterback. Like, he, he should be playing the same position, in honesty, my opinion, as, as Kyron Johnson. Like, he, he's – when he had success – and you saw it his freshman year because he wasn't quite necessarily needed as much because we still had some veteran presence. Mm-hmm. Um, at linebacker, you know, Drew Prox was, was playing that role. And mm-hmm. you saw him against Texas. He had a hell of a game against Texas What's yep. the quarterback. And so I think that's always kind of been my thing. But I think that goes hand in hand with what you said is that he doesn't 
football IQ isn't the right term, but like he doesn't have great play recognition. He can't quite, he can't figure out quick enough as you need your linebacker to figure out what the play is going to be and, and get himself to the right spot. But when he's blitzing the quarterback, he knows, hey, you know what? There's a guy that's going to have the ball. And I need to go hit them. <laughs> and, you know, you see him have more success with that. So I think that's kind of been my biggest thing. It's like, hey, I just think he's out of position. But at the end yeah. of the day, like, I think there's people probably a little bit better than him at blitzing the quarterback, you know, on our team. At least while Connor Johnson's still here. But then For even sure. more so, it's like I've heard stories about the players that are behind Gavin Potter. And, and it doesn't get much better. And you saw, I mean – you see Nick Channel out there a little bit. I mean, he's he's very slow. You know, you see Jaden out there, very slow. Krishan yeah. Brown still just isn't even physically ready to play that position. So I think that's the other thing, too, is it's almost just unfair, you know, to Gavin Potter to be like, hey, man, you, you suck at your role. But it's like, hey, I would I would argue that if he was at another school, he wouldn't be playing inside linebacker. Um, yeah, so. I, I think that's well said. I, I, I would agree with all that I really do. And sometimes it is as simple as – that guy's got the ball. I'm going to go get him because I, I know it takes a lot of the thinking out of the game for him now. You got to be able to do more. But I think you're absolutely right. I think he's just a victim of the situation. Um, yeah. But but it's easy for us to say because that's our, our biggest weakness on defense, at least in my opinion. And uh, the lack of speed and and uh, uh, play recognition there certainly shows. But like you said, that's just – it is what it is. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think another position – I don't even know if I want to label this player as disappointing because – I was given plenty enough information to know not to be disappointed, but I think I've seen a lot of Kansas fans at least be pretty disappointed in Eddie Wilson because he came from Buffalo, like pretty highly regarded, like for, mm -hmm. like all Mac last year was their best defensive tackle, like good player, huge. And it's like, okay, you see him come here and you expect him to start because it's like, okay, you know, Buffalo was better than KU, uh, you know, by just about every metric. And then also you see them play Coastal Carolina to the wire when we got blown out by Coastal Carolina. So, you know, you can just do the math there. Um, but Eddie Wilson was not starting really at the beginning. You kind of like emerged in the role, obviously, especially when, when Sam Burke got hurt. But now you've seen him, uh, most recent depth chart, he's slid back down again. You know, he's behind Caleb Taylor. And in my opinion, I think Caleb Taylor will be good for Kansas, but I, I don't think he's big enough to be playing defensive tackle either. Um, so I just kind of curious your opinion on Eddie Wilson, you know, a guy that, you know, came in somewhat regarded. And obviously the Big 12 isn't the Mac, but South Dakota, Coastal Carolina, and as far as I'm concerned, Baylor aren't much better than the top end of the Mac. Um, so I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on Eddie Wilson and, and the impact he, quite frankly, really hasn't had. And and if you think he can, he can end up making that impact. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult question. You know, it really is. I didn't watch a lot of Buffalo football, so... I don't know how much the scheme's different. I understand there's a lot of carryover from the staff, but just because you do something at Buffalo doesn't mean you do it at Kansas. Um, so it's it's hard for me to say what he did well there. I just I haven't watched him enough. I think he's I think in part though it is a simple. It's a victim of this is just a it's a different league. I, I realize you said the, you know, I might disagree that Baylor and. Uh, uh, Coastal Carolina, I think they are. I really do think they are a step up in the MAC, above the MAC. That is, um, I mean, it's not nothing crazy. And I just, I think the consistency to play at this level is much different than it is, um, you know, at 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 Buffalo and and in the MAC. I, I really do think there's a big difference. I mean, you know, you hear people talk about Boise State over the years because they were kind of the first team that you know would have success in bowl games. But I've always said, and I think most people would agree, 
yeah, Boise State can go beat that Oklahoma team that one year in the Fiesta Bowl in a one-game, you know, one-game playoff. But if you put them in the Big 12, it's the consistency of playing teams week in and week out where that where it's where it wears on. You know, I know we're only in week three. So I think for him, I think he is a kind of a victim of the situation where and in in uh, Novinsky from the center might be the same way. It's just a different style of football. South Dakota's different. Um, but I think Coastal Carolina and Baylor, I really do think they're a step up. I think, I think Baylor is a very talented football team. They're just, they aren't a good football team yet, but the talent's there. Coastal Carolina is a very good football team. They might not be as talented. And so I just, I just, I think this is a different level for him and, and his, he is big. Yes, but I don't think he has that size and he's going up against offensive linemen that are bigger, that are just as big as him and, and play better. I think he plays high personally. And I think part of that's a, a, a bad, not necessarily a bad habit, but just something he got away with from playing in the back. And, and so I think it's shown, I don't think he's a bad player or anything like that. I don't think he's, he's like you said, I don't, I don't want to say he's disappointing, but uh I just think sometimes, you know, the new guys we all get excited about from they're coming from a new team. They were successful there, but you know, it is, it is a different, it's a different league here. And, and I think Baylor and coastal are, are a huge step up in competition. Now, now, now we'll say this. Okay. He's seen what he has to do now. A lot of these guys has the adjustments moving forward to see this, the, the speed of the game. Cause it is a little faster. Yeah. I'm with you there. So wrapping this up, Obviously, we're not Duke football experts. We are not. Uh, <laughs> we are not the prodigals for, for Duke. But I'm just kind of curious. What do you want to see this weekend? And then, you know, with what you do know about Duke, what are you expecting uh, the final result to look like? Yeah, they run the ball well. Uh, that running back, I forget his name. He's pretty good. Um, uh, and so, with them, I think this is going to be a very telling sign for KU. Okay, Baylor is very talented. They're not that great of a team, but they're very talented, way more talented than KU. Coastal, and I'm kind of repeating myself, a very good football team. Those teams are better than KU, and they should be for where they are. I don't think Duke's like that. I think Duke is coastal in terms of talent, um, and they're not as good as Baylor, if that makes sense. So this is a team, probably the one team that – they should be comparable to KU. Now they're further along where they are. They're probably a better football team. So if KU gets pushed around in this game, I think that's going to be very telling for where this, this program is from, from a uh, interior perspective on offensive defensive line. I think they match up well in the skill positions, uh, especially in this, the, the, the secondary and then the, wide receiver running back room now linebacker room that's a different story so I think you're going to see a more of a competitive game that's what I want to see obviously um I, I don't I, I think KU is going to they took a step back from Coastal to Baylor um I thought they took a step forward you know from the from the South Dakota I think they're going to take a step forward again I think this is going to be a game where the coaches can kind of do what they want to do I think KU is going to be able to run the ball on Duke and I think that's going to create easier throws uh I don't know that we're going to be that consistent with it. So, uh, you know, 14-point Baylor win probably. With the line, it, was it 17 or 13? It's, it's 16 right now. 16, 16. now, 16. I, 
I mean, they set the lines for a reason they're good at. I think that's about right and about what I would expect. If KU plays consistent, I could see that game going down. If KU turns the ball over, which they haven't done a lot, then it's going to be on the higher end because we just can't recover from that. So KU's going to have to play a perfect game, but this is the kind of team that they might be able to do that against. I want to see Bean take a step up in the passing game. I want to see him go through his progressions and read it a little bit better. And, and I think he's going to have more time to do that. And so I think this might be a, a potential confidence booster for the offensive line and, and quarterback position, but uh, got to give the edge to Duke here. That's about where I'm at. I, I think like, I, I think this, and when, when I say winnable at Kansas, like winnable games are games that quite frankly, we uh, do not have that great of a chance of winning, but mm-hmm. I, this game is winnable. You know, it, it, it is. They're not that much better than us. And it really just comes down to can we stop them from running the ball? Because like it, it's yep. clear like that's what they're going to do. And yep. I'm not Brian Borland. I'm not the coach, you know, for Kansas football, as most people know. But it's like just make them beat you passing the ball. Uh, that, that That's like that's really, in my opinion, I imagine what the Kansas staff is doing. They're saying, hey, you know what? We got to stop the run here. And if we can stop the run here, make them do things they're not that good at and don't want to do. That's how you, you give us a chance because I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop us. Like, I, I, don't, I think our offense is not good by any means, but we should be able to run the ball. Like We should be able yeah. to, to take four or five minutes off the play clock on almost mm-hmm. every drive. And so it's like if we can do that, well, that, at the end of the day, if we're taking four or five minutes off every drive or almost every other drive, like then that game becomes a lot shorter. And if we're stopping them on the other end, holding them to field goals instead of letting up touchdowns, which I, our red zone defense this year, I believe, is absolutely atrocious. Uh, I remember seeing a stat last week. It's bad. Um, but it's like, hey, if we can start holding them to field goals. Hey, man, anything can happen. You you know, you get in a game where your quarterback's as fast as our quarterback is. We have some of the skill players we have. Anything mm-hmm. can happen, you know, and you punch a team in the face, as we've learned as Kansas fans, like you punch a team in the face and then you never know what's going to happen. So it's like, hey, if we can get a stop early and score, if we can score first, whatever the situation is, you know, we have a chance. We have a puncher's chance. And that's all I can hope for. So I'm excited for the game. I know you are. Any final words, you know, before we let everybody go? Yeah, lastly, I think you hit it there, though, talking about making them throw the ball. Because like you said, you know they want to run the ball. And I, th- I got to think our coaching staff knows that because they kind of had that same philosophy offensively. So, you know, Leipold just knows that's the deal there. So this game is going to come down to who can run the ball better and make those throws. Um, like you said, I think I think it is a winnable game What that percentage is. I don't know. It's the highest probably of all of our games outside of South Dakota. Um, um, but, but, but being able to run the ball this game, uh, it's it's going to be crucial. And, and I got to think our coaching staff knows that on defense to force them to stop, because if so, couple couple bounces a couple interceptions because their quarterback uh, is having to to make big throws to be successful because we're shutting down the run game that's how you win this game K's got to stay disciplined this week so I want to see us run the ball I want to see Bean Tech take a step forward and as part of the culture change I want to see a disciplined football team I don't want to see a lot of penalties penalties are going to happen but they need to be mitigated especially in big situations yep so those that don't know how to use Google, games at 3 o'clock, ACC Network, I'll be tuning in. I know you'll be tuning in. And, hey, all I got to say at this point is rock chop.